This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy Woo! and sadness oh. and anger. Ah! Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. Ah! But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. Ah. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. you maniacs it's time to clock in to another round of the severance media club here on post show recaps where once a month we are getting together to talk about severance and severance related media while we await word on season two which will come eventually uh but not before we are done with the promised amount of severance media club podcasting at this point for sure anyway if you want to get involved in said severance media club podcasting there's a form for that postshowrecaps.com slash mdr usually you get to vote on the podcast's next topic the next topics are currently decided but feedback lines are open we are asking for your feedback about all things severance any questions you have about the show any big brain questions you have for the doctors amanda and melissa for next month's edition of the media club a feedback show this month it's severance season one episode eight as well as the 10-episode entire series of Netflix's Maniac. I'm Josh Wiggler, joined here by a couple of maniacs, Amanda and Melissa, neither of whom are presently Hawks. 
Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm your Amanda here. And I, you know, we've had such great fun podcasting together, Josh, I remember all of those memories. Um, I'm being a friend proxy right now, I guess for post show recaps, maybe, maybe we should maybe oh, no. post show recaps is like your your ad buddy, your friend uh -huh. proxy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh oh, it's great to be back. It was really, really fun to revisit Maniac. Uh, always fun to revisit Severance, and I can't wait to talk about it with both of you. Melissa, is podcasting just friend proxying? Is that what this is? No, I I think we're actual friends. I don't like yeah. this, uh, but I am ready for, for, for the, the listeners. listeners. Yeah. Is this like are we the friend proxies oh. for the listeners though? I mean, I yeah, I guess so. No, uh, you guys are our I mean, real friends. We love, yeah, we know and love every single one of you. Yes, yeah. especially you, Gerald. You're the best. <laughs> but yeah, I'm here for the confrontation stage of this pro of this podcast. Mm, this is yeah. you know, let's all <laughs> let's really dive into it. And uh, yeah, what what was the show? It was weird. Oh wow! <laughs> yes, yes, very excited to talk about it. Uh, this was spooky season, second chances month here on the Severance Media Club, where we had the opportunity to resurrect one of the previous poll options in the Severance Media Club, and it was the show that once upon a time, as a one-off podcast, the great Antonio Mazzaro and myself podcasted about and called Maniac. Uh, so we revisited. Maniac, uh, Maniac on Netflix, uh, a Patrick Somerville original uh, who is also the creator and showrunner of Station Eleven for anyone who mm. enjoyed that show. Uh, a Carrie Fukunaga directed joint director of many things. I think a Bond movie at this point. Yeah. Uh, and certainly True Detective season one. Uh, and of course, starring the incredible talent of Emma Stone and Jonah Hill is also in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, kind of both in slightly against type roles, mm -hmm. really, really killing it. I definitely see this show as like really an incredible Emma Stone vehicle. Also, like a, a really impressive performance by Jonah Hill. It's like tonally, it's a little bit difficult to describe i guess it's um it's you know it's it's a sci-fi it's surrealist it's kind of a retro futurist rendering of new york where instead of the statue of liberty we have the statue of extra liberty <laughs> um you know a lot of really fun details in terms of like building this um kind of uncanny version of of new york city where some of the technology seems pretty advanced and other technology feels very reminiscent of like the 1980s. So that was another interesting connection with Severance. Yeah. Yeah, the TV like sort of aesthetic, like the blocky computer vibes of this show felt like in some ways similar to the blocky computer vibes of Lumen Industries mm -hmm. specifically, but like turned up to a thousand, uh, I feel like. Sort of like the way in which technology is like visually rendered on this show as if it was, it, it kind of feels like this was a show that was made in the 1980s. So I mean mm -hmm. that as in like, when you go back and you watch sci-fi movies that were made in the 1980s and their imagination of what was ahead of us in the future technologically, so often like science fiction from like the bygone era, I mean, we just talked about this with The Lace of Heaven, mm -hmm. is so forward thinking and is able to predict so much of 
where we're going and some of the issues that we continue to deal with to this day. But I think often, um, even in films or TV shows from this era that were very prescient in this way, the thing that they can't ever seem to figure out is like that eventually, like you'll just be able to get this on your phone and like your phone's <laughs> gonna be like this tiny little thing you just like tuck away in your pocket or a bag. Uh, and so like, there's always like these like big blocky computers, like war games or Skynet or whatever. Yeah, war games is a great, is a great like analogy here. Yeah, or um, like even like 2001, like the computers mm -hmm. in a space odyssey, like so much of what's in, in play and like the idea of like, don't turn me off, David, I'm a person when you're just an AI, like is a very, you know, salient point to make, but everything is so blocky. And so it feels like the, the show maniac itself is like trying to present itself as if it was made in that era that like the future that they were forecasting for us in like the 2010s was a future forecasted by the 1980s. That's like my take on the aesthetics of the show, which I love very much. I think that this show looks so weird uh, and feels really weird in no small part. Thanks to like that aesthetic style, let alone uh, Melissa, all of the genre bending that we're uh, doing on this show. Yeah, it's interesting. The Wikipedia page describes it as being set in retro future New York City, just mm -hmm. to like have that weird uh, description in mind for it. But um, yeah, there was so often while watching the show that I was like, what is happening? What is this show? Like, there's so many other things going mm -hmm. on. And yeah, the different like genre homages, the whole like suddenly fantasy story going on, but then also this like kind of noir like detective type thing at one point and then also this like uh kind of shootout um kind of fish I, and I wildlife yeah, yeah. <laughs> are they the cops so that yeah that that i think i read somewhere is like a raising arizona uh tribute which is that josh is that uh is that in your nicholas cage Man, blind spot raising still, arizona still is don't tell wow. anyone we're gonna cut this part out of the podcast <laughs> yeah Editing yeah. out Raising Arizona. <laughs> and like, so, yeah, so much of the weird um, interaction with technology was really interesting. Like even the like computer setup that uh, Jonah Hill's character has in his apartment, the like weird AI, like sex stuff. There was like so much stuff mm -hmm. that I was like, what is, what is happening? This feels both like weirdly yeah. clunky, but also futuristic at the same time also um amanda did you also have a weird freak out when the thing they were describing as like microwaves i was like that feels like a weird description for me of like why why is that the thing that they chose here rather than like uh i don't i was like did they just use that because people would sort of know no. what that was Wait, so you're talking about what they had on their head yeah, for, the like, manipulating their dream like instead of doing something electrical or magnetic like yeah why would they do something with microwaves yeah it's it's interesting so i mean obviously in addition to building this kind I'm so of so excited like, to get into the brain science of being <laughs> yes exactly movie, i gotta it, tell you i hope it, that everyone else is like please go on about the brains, with <laughs> yes, brains. that is my whole vibe right now brains um yeah in addition to kind of building this retro futurist like somewhat dystopian kind of version of what either the present or the near future could be the show is like primarily concerned with 
the mind and the psyche and like the structure of personality and mental health and um, human suffering. And that's like definitely a theme that we see uh, expressed through the primary main characters. So Jonah Hill plays Ollie, who, um, who, who seems to be suffering from schizophrenia. Owen, right? Then, Owen, Owen. Owen, I'm sorry. Owen, I well, Owen Milgram is the piece. Yeah, Owen that Milgram. Really, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the name Milgram has come up before many times on this podcast and is obviously yep. an intentional nod to the Stanley Milgram experiments. Um, we also have an Emma Stone uh, character, a character who comes from a family where mental illness was an issue, who has her own issues with uh, relationships. And, you know, we see later, you know, diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. She seems to have some issues with addiction and unresolved trauma. So we see these two characters who sort of like represent different mental health struggles. We have not yet talked about Justin Thoreau's character, who is, um, you know, a bizarre delight. And one of, I think, the like consistently, you know, extremely successful comic actors. I love Justin Thoreau anytime I see him on screen, but playing this kind of like mad scientist, psychiatric researcher um, who is himself having, you know, dealing with unresolved issues with his mother, who's a famous pop psychologist. So ideas of psychology and the great yeah. Sally Field, the legendary Sally the cast Field. cast is so good in this. Oh, it's so, and Hank Azaria ends up playing. Hank Azaria was such father. a like lovely note at the end. I was like, yes. oh, I love this. Like, this is such a, I was so happy that he popped up. Anyway, continue. Yeah, and a really, really great cast. Um, But, um, you know, you, there's, there's a lot, a lot of this uh, notion of, you know, just the very, the very nature of, therapy or healing or resolving these issues, kind of uh, confronting our own suffering, these models that are pharmacological, whether it's therapeutic, whether it's self-help, whether it's experimental, you know, what is the goal? Kind of the, we talked a little bit about the neuroethics in late, the late of heaven. And here we see the same kind of issues I think are being brought up in Maniac. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff there, unlike Severance and unlike The Lathe of Heaven, I feel like Maniac leans into the vibes more, whereas like maybe less than having extremely like well-researched or very like specific um, ideas that it's exploring. It's kind of more of like the a science general... is off. The science is not very it's like it's not very precise, Melissa. Like I didn't hear a lot of things in the science of maniac where I was like, ooh, that's that's interesting. And that shows some familiarity with, you know, what we actually know in the state of the science. Yeah, because the thing that I think severance does really well, and we've sort of co commented on it before, is that it sort of refers to science in a way that shows that somebody did their research without trying to like get too technical about it to the point that the science falls apart where we're like, okay, this doesn't actually work, right? It's sort of like, oh, we've got this implant into this part of the brain that's involved and therefore this happens. And we're like, okay, we're not going to think about it too hard. There's like enough grounding there that it's sort of, um, that it's interesting that it feels sort of this potential for, okay, maybe this could be a technology that is developed. Probably not. The severance technology feels wild, but, um, 
it at least feels like somebody did their research. Maniac does not necessarily feel that way. Um, but I think it's because it is trying to walk this like retro future line where the technology is like forward thinking for the past. And so we're already like, well, like some of this feels like um, they're trying to like walk it back to something that you would have thought was like super futuristic back in the 80s and now we're sort of like I don't know this feels like we already have kind of um like ability to um image the brain in like a variety Mm -hmm. of different ways and this just and I think that some of the and I'll be interested to hear your thought Amanda as the like actual uh you know therapy trained person Mm -hmm. on this call around some of these steps where I was like oh well some of this just feels sort of like exposure therapy through vr basically but it wasn't actually that so i don't know yeah yeah i mean so i guess that where where, what i would say is like i it it felt a little bit more impressionistic and less precise or sophisticated even in terms like not just in terms of technology but also in terms of like its understanding of um of like of clinical psychology so in terms of like freud or Beck, or, um, you know, Skinner, or any of these kind of psychological theories that, you know, that, that, that people, people read, the, like, somebody read the Wikipedia page, right? Like, they didn't go <laughs> in deep. And like, the ABC, so, you know, the, so Jonah Hill's character and Emma Stone's character are both participants in a drug trial that is going to, you know, that's supposed to, I mean, the aim is to kind of like cure all human suffering, right? That's like what this, um, this, this biotech company hopes to do. And they have a three drug regimen where it's the A pill, the B pill and the C pill. And the A pill is going to kind of reveal your core trauma. The B pill is called behavioral and that's supposed to reveal your blind spots. It wasn't really clear, like what I I wasn't really sure what, that Make you was, confront your defense mechanisms, your I defense guess, mechanisms, but I right? Understand and then, how the what they did. did no, that and then and then the C pill was confrontation, right? Like, mm-hmm. so is that different than B? So it's like that part was just like, I mean, it works enough for them to paint this picture and have this fun backdrop where they kind of have Emma Stone and Jonah Hill kind of chasing each other through their subconsciouses through their unconscious kind of dream processes and meeting up in these different, you know, very, you know, genre focused fantasies, which are ultimately very interesting, but I couldn't tell why, okay, why is the raising Arizona like fantasy part of the B process and this Dr. Strange love fantasy is part of this. Like that stuff just felt like it was really relying heavily on the vibes. And like, I think that they could have done, with that, with not too much more work, crafted something that was a little bit more meticulous and lined up with theories of personality and psychopathology. But I don't ultimately think that that was what they wanted to do. And I think that the point that they arrived on, which seemed to, I think, be the kernel of the show, was more something about friendship and taking risks and then finding each other and relying on each other in real life, which is like not a super, super novel kind of message. But I think that like, because all of these other pieces are fun and because the performances are good, um, that works. But that's why I think I would call this like more of a vibes show. Yes. 
than anything else. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, you know, so certainly for me, like I'm, I'm not really leaning in and looking in to see like, how much does this make sense? Uh, because of my background does not have any way of computing that anyway. Uh, and so I think what does get accomplished for me, just watching the show as like a total novice in that uh, field, not even, uh, is that it feels, maybe it doesn't feel like totally science accurate, but it feels so dream and nightmare accurate and like the entirety of the show the way that it unfolds and not even just the dream components of the show and like the subconscious exploration components of the show but really the entire world that is dreamed up by the creators of this show feels like somewhere that you could imagine your mind slipping to as you fall asleep. And so there is like this incredibly strange, surreal quality, even to the stuff that happens before they're really deep in the experiment, before we get into the fish and wildlife of it all, before uh, before Jonah Hill turns into a hawk, uh, before Emma Stone turns into uh, an elf, uh, ranger uh, before like any of that stuff like it just already feels like you're existing in this world where like you could imagine yourself like slowly waking up at four in the morning being like what was that all about um, and I think that that's that's a really a really fun vibe for me and I think that there's some ways in which severance has that vibe as well not lost on me that we are talking during waffle party week uh that, that episode eight of severance just to talk about it a little bit uh you know the requisite five minutes on severance that we'll do mm -hmm. on any severance media club that like the waffle party felt like that for the three of us like we watched the waffle party we're like what sort of hellscape is this uh and like, i think like anyone who encountered that with like those freaking like paper mache heads and like the dance around and like sort of like the ritualistic qualities about it almost felt like we were in like Dylan's waking nightmare uh, to some degree. The show does that a lot. The melon party, like the melon bar, um, the music dance experience is a really good example of, of that. Severance has that really surrealistic dream quality about it, even in its world beyond Lumen. Like the fact that it's Kier PE and we don't even really know what that's all about. Um, basically anything that Rick and Hale says, uh, you know, Harmony Cobell's entire vibe. Like there is definitely some sort of like nightmare fuel permeating severance. But I think that that nightmare fuel and sort of like that aspirational dream quality is like kind of like in, in Maniac is really angling towards that greater point of the show which feels to me very much of like we are we are stronger together than we are apart and like this like pursuit of companionship and finding that in unlikely places and finding it in unlikely forms and one of the things that i love about maniac so much is i view it as a love story but like this platonic friend love story mm -hmm. that i think is just like you don't see a lot of that. Like there's a worse version of this show where it's all about Owen and Annie getting together. And like, mm -hmm. they were like destined for each other to like run away and marry each other. And like, that ain't it. Like very clearly that's not the vibe of the show for me. So I think that there's just like this feeling of like, uh, what can we dream up together that exists in the show that separate from the science, I think really like the feelings of maniac work so well for me. Yeah. I think, 
honestly, I think my viewing of this show suffered from the fact that I also watched episode eight of Severance. And I was mm. like, yeah, Severance has a lot of these same feelings. It's a lot of the same themes. And in my mind, it's just done so much better in Severance. Like, I just really, really loved watching this episode of Severance again and getting to mm -hmm. see all of the, like, all of those questions of what is going on are very uh, similar across these two shows. But it, um, the, like, internal consistency of Severance, I think, makes it interesting that it feels like it's like building to a thing versus I watched all of Maniac and I'm like I still have no idea what's going on like I'm still so confused um and in some ways I think you're right like I think the vibes are what matters and like you said this beautiful theme of this like friendship through mm -hmm. it all that I also really appreciate so there were lots of really good things I certainly don't like regret watching the show or anything like that um I will say 10 episodes was like a lot I was like what yeah <laughs> no that that's a good point point. and you know of course like we're severance stands right that's that's yeah. our reason to be that's why we exist on the show and i do feel like that's often what we come back to when we watch one of these other series especially and we you know we have our friend here sonoya mizuno who was also the star of devs mm -hmm. and you know we watched all of devs that was i think was that that might have been our first severance media club um mm -hmm. viewing and i remember we came back to talk about it and we were like oh this was interesting and this was interesting and this was interesting but gosh oh my gosh severance is so good and it made me appreciate the things that severance does so much more um i was happy to revisit maniac i watched it when it came out and i think my feeling was when i watched it and i was like kind of surprised when it came up again like at how little i could remember about what happened in Maniac um, until rewatching it, because I think it just washed over me. And I had this yes. experience of being like, oh, this is a cool setting. And like, this is, these are, these are interesting ideas. And I like these characters. And then like, as I binged the series and my original viewing, just kind of like being left with like, not having had a strong impression of what they did with those raw materials. And on the rewatch, I think I like, was able to zero in a little bit more on what I appreciated specifically about the performances, I think. But again, like, I think I would, it would be interesting to have watched this week to week and try to like give yes. time to each of the 10 episodes because Melissa, I did feel that like, did we need all 10 of these episodes? Like just like what was really moving the plot? Like what was really moving something forward? Like, you know, I, I felt like there were diminishing returns on 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 some of on some of the threads and the ideas were good and I think that that's what you're left with kind of like what was the setting who were these characters but in terms of following them through this 10 episode journey you probably could have pulled out a couple of those episodes in the middle and I wouldn't have missed much it probably doesn't help that I also thought this was eight episodes and then like most of <laughs> the way too. through discovered I had two extra episodes to watch. And I was like, well, OK, we're going to have to squeeze those in. Uh, yeah, so that was good, probably good news, admittedly the, not helping. The good news is every time you walk into one of those episodes uh, and you see the runtime, you just subtract four minutes because like the credits are three minutes yeah, and 47 so seconds. So like the, the show is pretty short, uh, which is which is which is nice. Uh, so it, it went pretty quickly for me but i had the exact same thought on on the rewatch of like how much of this was needed um and then there was a part of me that was thinking okay well we really like 
it takes a while before you start getting into like the Alice in Wonderland component of mm-hmm. Maniac. Like it's like two or three episodes even. I think it's the end of episode three where we go in and we get into that Raising Arizona world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, do we do we need to get there quicker was my first question. And then I quickly answered that for myself uh, as no, I really love those first three episodes so much. Like I really I really love the world that they build outside of the dreams. Yeah. Even more than the dreams themselves. The dreams themselves are, are very fun. But I think to your point, Amanda, and I'm very often going to argue in favor of the weekly format anyway. But I really do think like it would have been very fun once upon a time to live in that world of, okay, this was the fantasy episode week or this was the Jonah Hill is like an L.A. like gangster. Yeah. uh, And so is Gabriel Byrne. He's just like drilling heads into submission. Oh, my gosh. Uh, You know, like that would have been that would have been fun. But I do think also it's it it works well as a binge, but I think it feels like a fever dream. I think like sort of like the show itself, it just does all just kind of like collide together in this very strange explosive display. That is ironic because it dropped on Netflix all at once. So it's not even like there was ever a world in which there was necessarily week to week. Yeah. And that's like, that's the Netflix way. I mean, the, the, once you get into the different dream episodes, it does kind of feel like the after party. Right. And it's like, you're more showing up to see like what, what accent is Emma Stone going to do this week? And like, it's, it's more the delight of being in these different, genres almost more than like what are the conflicts that these characters are working out and I guess some of these played better for me than others you know but I do think that the most compelling and lasting stuff is the things is what happens in the you know the the real world setting um and not the fantasy even though the fantasies are so important i think that they if if i was making changes i probably would have used less than that of that focus more on the what do we get rid of though what do you get rid of when you're making that choice because like are you really gonna get rid? what was the name of the alien that they exploded oh yeah yeah that's in the dr strange love one that as i call it where he has like the ridiculous uh pan-european accent right here yeah (laughs) Yeah, uh, like because I I always think that that's the one that I would mm-hmm. get rid of, but then I watch it and I laugh so much, uh, so I don't know. Like, yeah. is it, is there's it... like the Don Quixote one. It it just feels like overstuffed. It feels because with each of these genre, these these genres, they introduce like these extra themes that that they don't really you know do a lot with, and it ends up feeling like. I don't know. It's like feels like there's too many eggs at the egg bar, right? I, I don't know. It, just, <laughs> it, 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 it felt like a lot, but I mean, and 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 it's not to say that any of it is like boring or bad. I mean, maybe it's just like it. Maybe it's just in a binge, you're not going to kind of you're not going to be able to latch on to all of that. A lot of it's going to just kind of wash over you. Yeah. I don't think that the individual dreams are the thing that make me feel like I would want to spend more time in the world of Maniac. I think like the things that make me feel like I want to spend more time in the world of Maniac is like Justin Thoreau's like VR sex habit. Like I want to like go into like the egg crate foamed bunk beds. Mm -hmm. Like all of that stuff is where I like it's clear that there's just so much dimensionality to Mm -hmm. the world of Maniac outside of the dreams 
that it's almost sufficient enough in terms of the genre bendiness. This isn't to say that I dislike the genre bendiness at all. I think it's really, if anything, more to emphasize just how much I love the world right. that it created and I think did such a fabulous job of conceiving that. Yeah, because I mean, there's also, you know, the there's also Justin Thoreau and his mother's relationship. There's also the computer who's in love with a scientist who dies like and then there's <laughs> Sally Field who comes in to treat the depression in the computer that was developed to simulate her. I mean, the show is trying to do a lot, a lot. <laughs> that like doing, you know, sometimes inserting these like, you know, film noir dance numbers in a house where they're trying to find the lost chapter of Don Quixote feels like maybe that's a bit too much to put on the plate. Yeah. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Something else I wanted to shout out the show for that I did appreciate is I'm always a big fan whenever we get kind of mental health representation that isn't um, infantilizing or like pathologizing in a way that like 
so often schizophrenia representation in television is murderers and serial killers and all that kind of stuff, right? And so uh, I'm always very, very grateful uh, when shows don't do that. And I think that um, I, do, I do think that there's uh, maybe, you know, things to think about in terms of um, care. And, you know, certainly the, the characters on the show not being treated well for their, um, for their mental health and, and the way that kind of Owen is treated by his family and manipulated as a result of his um, psychotic episode and, and potent, I guess, schizophrenia diagnosis, which I feel like there's maybe raised some questions around at the end there. I didn't totally know mm-hmm. if it was, um, if that was what they were kind of trying to imply was that maybe it wasn't um, necessarily accurate that they were sort of using that uh, to manipulate him. It's, it sort of fe- felt like, but it was um, I at least appreciated that Owen was being portrayed as like a sympathetic character who, um, you know, had certainly some struggles in that area, but it wasn't seen as um, yeah, that he wasn't, ultimately the bad guy or or something yeah. like that right yeah so, no i, I actually thought that. that yeah in terms of honoring the characters and their friendship that developed i thought that that was one of the things the show did the most successfully like especially like against the backdrop of having like you know these ridiculous like justin thoreau character you know portrayal like but i i just loved the fact that the show i think really honored each of those characters perspectives even though they were both portrayed as people who were struggling with mental illness but kind of like honoring the truth of their experiences and like the fact that they developed this trusting relationship with one with each other. I thought that that was really beautifully, beautifully done. Um, and, um, you know, that was something I really appreciated. Yeah. And yeah. I thought some of the conversation around the therapy of it was also interesting. It, it was really interesting to me that the whole point of this trial was to like eliminate all therapy when it felt like it was just basically therapy uh, <laughs> and just like not very helpful like guided therapy but it was still i'd be very disappointed if that's where this went i love my weekly therapy session don't get rid of that i need um i think that there's so many absurd things that happen in this show that like i just want to count off a couple of them um before we lose sight of them um the hyper violence of the show is so cartoonish um not just like the exploding head with the power drill but his brother who he keeps seeing in his yeah he gets like shotgunned in half at one point. And it, like, it's like done in this sort of like Looney Tune style way that's like very much like heightening, like, why do we do this to each other? Uh, kind of, kind of piece. There's that. There's uh, everything that goes on with the, with the, uh, the fantasy sequence is just absurd. And Melissa, maybe that's hitting a little differently now that like I was not a D&D person before yeah. I watched maniac but like there is a feeling of like these two characters who are like out on like they need to take the long rest everything like that like some of the genre stuff i think is really really goofy and good and then everything justin thoreau absolutely everything about that character uh from the fact that the first time you see him he has like that virtual reality sex contraption on his penis uh (laughs) that he has like the wig, everything about the yeah. wig, the Dr. Mm-hmm. Steve Brule instruction video wow. that he has. Yeah. Um, what's the name? Mandel Ray, uh, James K. Mandel Ray, I think is uh, mm-hmm. close to the name. Wow. Uh, 
I think it a- was it like manta ray. Like I was like, is he named after a fish? What is happening? It, it, oh, it, yeah, it, it is mant- mantle ray. Yeah. It's mantle ray. Yeah. Dr. James K. Mantle Ray, uh, who even we the first time we ever see him as a character in person, not in a video and not in VR, he's bald uh, and will go and like seek out his wig. And then so many different times from that point forward, he's just always paying so much attention to his hair. That's very, very funny for me. And it's such a great character on the immediate other side of The Leftovers. Uh, so like yeah. Justin Thoreau spends three seasons on HBO the leftovers being like the sin eater he's the kendall roy of the leftovers Mm -hmm. where he is just having to go through so much pain uh i mean there's a lot of arguments for who's the kendall roy of the leftovers but he's in that conversation for him to then be able to go here and express his comedic chops he's a very funny actor when they allow him uh the royals they allow him to to get into goofy comedy mode um your highness he's very funny and just like a long line of things that he's really really good at when he gets to play a comic uh character mantle ray is somehow able to do that while also being kind of an emotional character as well i don't know his whole ride i think is one of my favorite parts of the experience yeah no i'm a hu- i'm a huge justin Thoreau fan and again somebody who i think brilliant in comedic performances brilliant in dramatic performances um i was reading a little bit um from uh director uh is it uh is it Carrie Fukunaga, Fukunaga yeah. who said something about how like normally it's the director's job to make sure that all of the actors are acting like they're in the same film but that Justin Thoreau took this character in a wackier direction and they were just like okay let's go with this and so I do think that that is part of like the vibes experience of watching Maniac is that, you know, from episode to episode, you're kind of not in the same film. And from character to character, you're not in the same uh, series. Like there's very, there's very stark tonal shifts in a way that kind of like comes together in a very pleasing and satisfying way. Um, So I thought that that was, that's quite impressive that the series manages to pull that off. I thought the whole concept of this addiction to the A-pill was really interesting. This idea that it's that like reliving of that trauma that someone like gets really tied into. I thought that that was um, very like told us a lot about Annie as a character, but also um, yeah, this sort of like the fact that it's like locking into those emotions. And, you know, she, she mentions it at one point that like, it means that she gets to she relives her worst her day over and over yeah. but she gets right. to be with her sister like i thought that that was mm-hmm. um just this really beautiful and really heartbreaking idea and yeah there's like so much about annie as a character and that i i felt was really moving and really um really interesting and yeah the fact that you know then we get this uh kind of very dnd scene uh where she's like literally trying to like help her uh you know the person who is her sister like move through and get safely to uh the spot that she will be rescued in and and all of these conversations around like i helped her survive when we were little and she helped mm-hmm. when we grew up like there was there's some really really beautiful emotional stuff um around that that it was yeah i think that there was like you said like everything for me that really happened in the 
like regular maniac world proper that had some really beautiful emotional grounding. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I, in some ways, I think that the in like the dream stuff or the kind of pill induced stuff, um, it does feel like maybe if it had just been shorter or more kind of even, I don't know. I, again, like sometimes I talk about it on podcasts. I just sometimes need a bit more handholding in my TV. I was like, mm -hmm. what, are, what, what does the lemur represent here? What are we, mm -hmm. what are we doing? <laughs> what's, what's the lemur doing? I don't, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know. Sort of yeah. One eventually where she's talking about the, um, the woman being the mom of the guy yes. who killed her sister, right? So there's there's stuff there. It's just one of those where like, I think the show might need to sit with you a little bit to try to like piece apart everything that it's doing as you Yeah, said. yeah. But I also don't think it knew everything it was doing, Melissa. Like I feel <laughs> like some of these things are, I feel like some of it is more like sprinkles than threads. Like that's what mm -hmm. the show feels like. It's like instead of actually tying something that threads through in a connected way, I feel like the show put a lot of interesting things on the table and mix them up in, in ways that look, that look pretty. And I think the show was very successful at doing that. But I think in terms of having a much deeper resonance where you're like, Oh, they needed to capture the lemur because if they didn't save the lemur, then this, and if she doesn't get the Don Quixote chapter, then this, and the reason he had to narc out his father is like, like, I don't, I think that those are more like impressions than they are like very tightly woven plot points. And I think that that's why the show doesn't hold your hand through those things. And I think the extent to which you're satisfied with that is going to vary. Gabriel Byrne hit very differently for me because I just watched Hereditary with Kevin Mahadeo. Uh, and he's in that in a weird, uh, very uh, strange send off. So I, I'd forgotten that he was in it. Like Maniac is so stuffed that I forgot Gabriel oh, Byrne is in Maniac. Uh, <laughs> there's just a, there's just a lot uh, a lot of talent on on the screen. I think uh, Gabriel Byrne has looked exactly the same for the past forever. twenty years, and probably Hank Azaria too. Um, yeah. yeah, I do have to give a shout out to Elise Beasley, who is my beloved Agnes DePesto from Moonlighting. Um, who is also in this she plays one of the other test subjects and i also loved the appearance of ben sinclair as proxy friend owen in the final yes. scene um he's always a delight when he pops up he was in um the resort which i covered with ariel and also is in the star of high maintenance uh two other actors that i feel like have to get shouted out one is Sonoya Mizuno, who mm -hmm. we actually talked about earlier this year when we watched Devs. Devs, yeah. Uh, she's the star of Devs. Unrecognizable here as Dr. Fujita. Behind uh, all yes. those cigarettes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was another one of the like utterly bizarre moments that like it kills me every time that the main doctor at the head just get, like he gets killed off. Uh, he just like dies at the desk. It's mm -hmm. so... Uh, it's so grimly funny to me. I don't know why. It just Emma Stone's whole reaction that's like, oh, is this the test? You're not gonna, you're not gonna <laughs> pull me there. Uh, it's just like very, very darkly comedic. Um, and then Billy Magnuson, who plays, uh, who plays Owen's brother, uh, Jed, uh, but also shows up in Jed's like, um, uh, also shows up for Owen 
as Grimson, this guy, his handler, that's like constantly telling him you're going to go and save the world. I thought having him be this person who in like the brick and mortar reality is a source of so much pain for Mm -hmm. Owen being this person who is in some ways a source of, of great pain for him as well, but is also trying to cheer him on and is kind of this aspirational version of who Owen would love for this person to be. That felt very, there's some ways in which this show feels so emotionally true to me. Mm -hmm. That felt very emotionally true. I have so many figures in my imagination who are like versions of people who I know in real life. I'm like, gosh, I just wish you were this way. Uh, I feel like even, um, Melissa, you were honing in on it before about like the addiction to the A pill, how that like really uh, centers in on the idea of doom spiraling and uh, like being so fixated on the one moment or the few moments that like you cannot go back and, and change and like you cannot help, but obsessively think about them, uh, the Royal you. So I think that there's, there's like, there's Jonah Hill turns into a Hawk. There's (laughs) Justin Theroux has like, uh, sex with like a VR thing. Uh, and then there's also just like copious amounts of emotional truth in here as well. Yeah. Yeah. Maniac contains multitudes. I I, yes. I really do feel uh, pretty pretty connected to a lot of the stuff that yeah. it tries to express. To your point about the emotional truth, Josh, like I do think that the show is like at its most powerful, where it really like highlighted that trade off that we make between like the 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 desire for connection and the emotional turmoil that goes along with connection and that you know what what uh what the annie character goes through with the a pill is losing her sister and feeling responsible for it but also accepting that pain because it means that she gets that feeling of connectedness with it and at the end we hear you know owen sort of struggle with i can go with you but the worst thing that could happen is you know we go away together i let you into my life and I care about you. And then I mess it up and I have to deal with that pain and that risk that we put, you know, we talked about it when we talked about eternal sunshine of the spotless mind It's like, what if I get sick of you? And what if I push you away? And it's just like, okay, like we sign up for some risk of the worst emotional pain in order to get that reward of connection. I think that that's what the show is really driving at and has these really lovely moments of that um in these fantasy characters and also in its you know real real world i'll shout out julia garner also yes, as ellie landsberg i mean it's a stacked cast it looked like it must have been a hell of a good time to make this show i feel like this must have been so much fun to make between like the wacky setting the the, the production the, design the production yeah. design the costume choices like all of the different genres that these actors got to play in um so it's it's a good time yeah. just some of the choices i just thinking about like and how many uh what i forget the exact question he's asked like how many fatalities have there been he's like zero uh <laughs> just like some really really great moments across mm-hmm. the show um do we have anything else on maniac or any final observations about severance episode eight which we are ostensibly here to discuss mm-hmm. as well um it was interesting talking uh, the severance episode and the rewatch of it um i was i was really fascinated by the miss casey of it all in this episode mm-hmm. the fact it really hit me that i think i i think i sort of realized that 
I, I can't remember at this point if we talked about this at the time, but it feels to me like Miss Casey doesn't realize that she is a full-time innie. Like that was part, that was something that I was like, did we talk about this? I can't even remember because she talks about, yeah. she asked Milchek, like, am I happy up happy there? Up there, Yeah. And then it's like, oh, and then she's going to this elevator that I think, you know, it's like in that moment, does she think it's going to go up and it mm-hmm. actually just goes down? And I was mm-hmm. like having all of these thoughts around Miss Casey all over again, where I was like, gosh, what is going on with her? Why is, why are they doing this to her? Why is it different? Um, and so, yeah, that part I just all found really interesting and just kind of, um, yeah, Milchek being so sinister there with his, like, I really do have things to get to, like, you know, yeah. move along kind of thing was really intense. And then just like, at the same time, the hilarity of the uh, egg bar being uh, coveted. Coveted, AF yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then how does that implication for Miss Casey tie into Irving's story? Because we open up with Irving painting over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that that elevator and that hallway. Um, and gosh, like, I just remember, like, re-watching this, I was taken back to the thrill of watching this for the first time and how, like, absolutely exhilarating it was to say to see Irving's Audi for the first time to see the dog named Radar to go inside and get these clues that have been like very carefully plotted oh he's drinking coffee all night that's why he's tired oh he's painting that black paint is what the ooze is and then seeing the door the hallway over and over again and then tying it to the hallway that Miss Casey walks through later in the episode just like making all of those connections and leading up to the crescendo of uh, of excitement that happens in the finale in this penultimate episode. It's just like such a, I think the back half of Severance is like season one is like just impeccable television. Yeah, which is crazy because I feel that way about the first half too. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I think just like top to bottom revisiting Severance just is a great reminder of why we're doing all of this as well just so that we can have like some reason to stay connected to that show still feels very, very special, you know, well over getting close to two years since uh, it premiered at this point, which is upsetting. It's wild. Well, you know, there's that trade-off between connection and pain, and we wait painfully pining for the day that Mm -hmm. season two will air finally. Yes. Uh, I think the thing, yeah, the thing that I, that watching this episode really made me appreciate was how good Severance is at answering questions while raising more questions. And so the fact that you're not, it doesn't just feel like it's building endless things that we don't understand without also, it's like, okay, yeah, so we know the the ooze is Mm -hmm. uh, the black paint but why is he painting this? And okay, we, uh, you know, sort of know that, um, you know, Miss Casey going down this hallway, but like, why is she like that? And um, yeah, I think it's just really well done that you feel satisfied while continuing to feel curious and and wanting more answers because you are getting answers. And I think that that's really critical. I think it's really interesting and, and really easy for mystery box shows to just like constantly keep building the mystery and, I think that the little payoff along the way is what helps 
keep people intrigued by it and, and helps reassure people that more payoff is to come, that there will be kind of answers. And, you know, we've sort of talked at length about how many of those answers we think we'll get and how, you know, kind of well planned out we think this show might be. And, um, you know, certainly open to the idea that it may not be quite as satisfying at the end as, as we want it to be. Not every single loose thread might get tied up, but mm-hmm. um, the fact that we do get some, I think is really helpful and really makes you even more invested in the show and something that, um, yeah, I think that shows in general can learn from that, not just like endless question endless speculation uh that you need to kind of mirror that with some level of groundedness in the story of okay this is what's going on here and now what does that tell us about this world that we're in so that we can ask more questions about it for sure well more questions to come because the next episode of the severance media club depends upon your questions out there feedback episode of the severance media club if one of your uh, recurring pieces of feedback is talk more about severance well next week or not next week it's definitely going to be a little longer than next week but next time we are certainly going to do that as we are going to answer any of your questions that you send in on the feedback line, postshowrecaps.com slash MDR. You could also hit us up on our various corners of the internet. I'm at Round Howard. Melissa, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Melissa W28, or on other social media, Melissa Woodward28, uh, because having a consistent Unifying presence is online the- is hard. <laughs> it's very hard. Dr. Amanda, where can people catch you? You can find me on Twitter where I am Dr. Amanda R. That's D-R Amanda R. Um, So we will accept your feedback through any of those channels. Also at Post Show Recaps, wherever you can find us. In the patron discord, if you want to become a patron of Post Show Recaps, patreon.com slash post show recaps. If you want to get us feedback that way, we would love to hear from you. Any big brain stuff. We'll talk about clones again. I am Ooh. certain. Maybe goats as well. Who knows? And we will also watch the season one finale of Severance for a deeper dive into that episode. So I'm um, really looking forward to the next edition of the Severance Media Club. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to the Apple TV Recaps mm. podcast here on Post Show Recaps. If you want to hear more from the doctors, Melissa and Amanda, and their lessons in chemistry, the new Brie Larson show that has premiered uh, as we're recording this. Uh, so, Haran Hazay, uh, we're very excited about this, Amanda. Yes, uh, Melissa and I will be getting together weekly to cover lessons in chemistry. The first two episodes dropped uh, at once, and so we'll be bringing you separate podcasts covering each of those episodes um, in the first week, and then weekly thereafter. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm very excited about this show. Melissa, you've you've checked it out. Yeah, I watched the first episode, and I was very intrigued and very... Um, it, it it raises a lot of feelings as uh, a woman in STEM. So yeah, I think Amanda and I will have a ton to talk about. And I'm very excited, uh, particularly as people who are like, uh, you know, cooks and bake, you know, you're a better cook than I am, Amanda, but we, you know, we both love baking as well. So I'm yeah. very interested. Well, we have to, to get together this. and 
cook together and so we can find out exactly who's a great lumen bake off. <laughs> but uh yeah no i, I mean this, so the the premise of this is a woman uh has a, a scientist in chemistry um who is it's organic chemistry melissa right in the 1950s yep who um you know is uh, faces obstacles because of her gender and is sort of funneled into teaching a cooking being a cooking uh television host instead um so when when jess uh asked me about this show and it had cooking and it had science and it had brie larson and it had melissa as my co-host that was like a an easy yes checks all the boxes <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna make sure that the first couple of episodes of the podcast are actually here in the severance podcast feed so that you know to watch the show and so that you have uh, your friends, doctors, Amanda and Melissa to listen to guiding you through the new Brie Larson, Apple TV plus show lessons in chemistry. And that's not all. Uh, Cause you can hear both Amanda and Melissa on several other podcasts on post show recaps. Melissa, you're in the middle of a goosebumps marathon. I am. Yes. I was talking um, before this uh, podcast about how busy I have been lately. It is there's a lot of podcasts because the Goosebumps also premieres uh, October 13th as of recording this episode. Five, the first five episodes dropped. So Todd the Librarian and I have been very busy, kind of getting these first five episodes banked for you. And I'm having a blast, despite the fact that I don't like horror. Um, but the show has been super interesting. It's uh, there's some really great kind of mystery in the show that I'm very interested in and just the encyclopedic horror knowledge that Todd has is truly impressive. He's giving recommendations for other kind of horror sh- movies to check out if you are kind of intrigued by the the horror themes of the episode. And so if you're like at all a fan, I would check out the pod even just for that because I think that it is very, very cool. And it is sort of been this like... Um, kind of genre exploration of horror and and the different kind of episodes reflecting different areas within that. So that has been super interesting to talk about. I highly uh, recommend checking that out on Disney Plus and Hulu. Um, Otherwise, other coverage uh, that I'm doing, talking about Doctor Who as always with uh, Kevin Mahadeo and Adam H. That has been super fun. We are in the best season of Doctor Who, in my opinion. Uh, Matt Smith's first season talking... um, with Amy and Rory. And I, yeah, if, if you're a Doctor Who fan at all, I highly recommend checking it out. And if you're not, we are doing a curated watch. So it is a, um, right now we are covering every episode because it is just that good. But uh, otherwise we're covering kind of select episodes to try to help people get introduced to the genre. And uh, the other thing that dropped recently is Rich and I are talking Dimension 20 Burrows End. So we are, um, this is the uh, dropout.tv streaming service. So if you're at all familiar with College Humor, this is their uh, kind of associated um, comedy stream. There's there's so much fun stuff on Dropout. I highly recommend checking out their YouTube channel. Uh, uh, so Dropout on YouTube and uh, the first episode of Burrow's End is up there as well as a whole bunch of their other content. And then if you like it, uh, checking out Dropout in general. But Rich and I are talking about 
Dimension 20, their uh, tabletop role-playing show. So they're talking uh, the first two episodes of their latest D&D show covering a family of stoats who are going off on an adventure, a big Watership Down vibe. So you know I had to talk to Rich and we uh, talked about the first two episodes and that is available already. And I would love to, I would love for people to check it out and let me know what they think. We want your feedback. We want your questions. We want your uh, D&D talk of any kind. So uh, yeah. Amazing. Amanda, you have some stuff going on as well. I do. So um, very, very sadly, the entertainment strikes have not been completely resolved despite some really good. As news. of this recording, we certainly hope that like in like the day or two it takes for this to come out. Like, wow, wouldn't it be great if everything just fixed itself? But... Oh, that would be amazing. I'm not I'm, I'm not all that hopeful for that outcome, but maybe it is. And maybe this is hopefully out of date. But um, I'm still covering the entertainment strikes on Strike Up at the Conversation Pod. Um, the Writers Guild of America um, ratified a great contract that everybody was really happy with, with the AMPTP and the AMPTP went into bargaining with SAG-AFTRA and that has still not resolved. And at the moment uh, the parties have walked away from the negotiation table. So um, I will be getting together uh, with Ariel and uh, to talk about all of the developments with that and continuing to bring you coverage of the ongoing negotiations as they happen all right well uh very important stuff that is happening in that regard if you want to stay plugged in and keep up to date on what's happening in this industry that we all care about so much uh it brings us a lot of joy and escape uh and uh you know brings a lot of questions into our lives brings people into our lives you want to make sure that you're supporting the right causes and being informed about what's going on. So check out Strike Up the Conversation uh, for that podcast on all of the strikes that have been happening and one one that's continuing to happen. Uh, you can check it all out on post-show recaps. Next time on the Severance Media Club. All feedback, all the time, and the season one finale of Severance. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.